friends, my name is Courtney, otherwise known as Courtney R&B, and I'm a health and fitness enthusiast, a social media lover, and most importantly, I am here to inspire you to reach your goals, begin that side hustle you've been considering, and hopefully learn a new topic. Thanks for tuning in to today's Chats with Court Sesh. Enjoy! Hey, what's up, friends? And welcome back to another Chats with Court podcast session. So I am so excited to be recording with my good friend and actual twin, Martina. Hey, howdy. Uh, What's up, y'all? It's Martina. Happy to be in the house tonight, literally quarantining. Back to you, Court. So Martina and I go way back to high school. We actually met, I think I was a freshman, and you're two years older than me? Yeah, I was a junior. Yeah. So I I have one, so we ran track together, but I have one really specific memory of like the first time we actually met before we became friends. So I played field hockey and I had nothing to do in between practice and after school. So I went with one of my other friends to a mock trial meeting, which by the way, I had absolutely no interest in mock trial. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I really wish I did. I just never got into it. So I'm just like just chilling in this meeting, just minding my own business. I don't even know why I was there, but whatever. So I remember you were sitting in front of me and I think my friend was friends with you and that's how we kind of started talking. Um, But I remember you had these really cool colored contacts and I was just like so mesmerized by them because I've always wanted them and your eyes were like, it just insanely blue. I wish I could just like pull up a picture and show everyone. Because it was super cool. Yeah, so they were seafoam green, right? And my natural eye color is, like, a muddled gray. And to this day, like, up until... So, okay, so, like, about two or three months ago, up until about two or three months ago, I was constantly wearing those contacts and I was always getting compliments left and right people are like oh my god your eyes are so nice and I was like wow thanks so much just playing it off like I had these beautiful like seafoam green eyes right I switched to plain clear contacts I have never received an eye compliment since goodbye I can't believe you've still been wearing them what is this like Six years later? Six? Yeah, six years later. So I got hooked on colored contacts, prescription colored contacts, FYI, which are so absurdly expensive. Um, I might as well have put money away for an ass job. So (laughs) there's that. I actually, I've tried colored contacts and my eyes are way too dark of a brown and I look like a cat or they just like, looks like a mushy, you know, like, when you mix brown with other colors, like, I just couldn't pull it off. Well, I felt like sometimes the contacts looked good, and then other times there was this girl showing up to mock trial practice in, like, a full-blown suit and, like, bright green eyes that, like, almost looked a little, like, psychotic, but I don't know. We're, we're moving on from that phase. And we'll move on to, let's see, do you want to introduce yourself, maybe... Tell everyone about your background, key points about you, your age, where you're from, what you love, hobbies, and a fun fact, (laughs) all the above. Oh my gosh. Okay. Putting the heat on. So, um, I am, how old am I? Oh my God. Wow. 24. 
Yikes. Approaching my mid-20s, right? One more year, less than a year. Um, I'm from Long Island, uh, where Courtney's from. As she mentioned, we met in high school. Um, and I am also like super passionate about fitness. I'm super passionate about health and healthcare. Um, just to kind of give you a little idea of my like professional background, since I know that during today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, careers and networking and, um, transitioning from college into jobs. I started off, um, with a really heavy interest in high school in law. So Courtney gave us a little snippet of my mock trial days. During that period of time, I actually worked at the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office. I interned there just to kind of dip my feet into the water and to see if I liked and wanted to pursue law. And so I really loved it there. And I ended up going my first year of college to American in Washington, D.C. Um, and I was studying law and society. So basically like a pre-law type of major Um, while I was there, I ended up like just hating Washington. It just like wasn't the vibe for me. It was like a lot of people who wanted to get brunch and talk about like the hottest new like pair of shoes, but people who like weren't super genuine. So I transferred and I went to a state school, which was the best decision. And honestly, like I hate when people talk shit about state schools because I got such a good education and like at half the price. And, like, honestly, the other thing, too, like, people don't realize, like, if you t- if you were, like, a f- mini genius in high school and if you took AP classes, not to toot my own horn. Wait, I have to pause you for a second. Remember when, so you took AP Lang, and you're two years older than me, so I took it after you, and I remember you honestly helped me through that class, like, so much. Like, we would spend our summers annotating in cold blood. And oh, things my God, cold blood by Truman Capote. Yes, like, thanks to you, I got through that class. And I always, like, anytime I'm like, oh, like, I'm just, like, going to hang out with my friend Martina, whatever, like, talking to someone else about you, I'm like, Martina is, like, the smartest person I know. She was so successful. Anyways, I had to put that out there because you helped me through all my AP classes. Thank you very much. Continue. Oh, continue. Thanks, Court. I'm by no means very smart I'm just super hardworking and that's like one of the the key messages of this podcast is I think if you're willing to put the work in you can mm-hmm. kind of go wherever you want to go um but uh yeah so I I transferred to a state school and people don't realize that you can um like take your AP credits and apply them as like college credits at a state school so I was also able to graduate a semester early which was really great like some people don't want to rush through college, but I don't know. For me, like, the financial trade-off was just, like, huge to be able to take away $10,000 from student loans, right? And that's, like, such an important thing to think about, and people don't necessarily think about it um, when they're planning out their education. So it's something that I always emphasize to people. Maybe think about your loans and think about how, how you'll be paying them back and think about the loans that you're taking. Some have higher interest rates and all that. But anywho, so I went to New Paltz. Um, and I switched to a political science major since it was the next closest thing to my former major at American. And I remember that I like used to be so into American politics and law. And then one year, so I was like the president of this political science club on campus and I was part of the honors program. And one year for my major, I had to take a comparative politics class. And I remember this professor, her name was Kathleen Daly. 
And if she ever comes across this podcast, <laughs> hey, Kathleen. Um, she's my homie. And so I remember she called me out and she was like, hey, like you. And she asked me a question. And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, well, aren't you the president of the political science club? And I was like, I don't care about comparative politics. I like U.S. politics. And she like challenged me so much and mortified me in front of the class. So then I wanted to become really good at comparative politics. And then like somewhere along the way, I fell in love with it. And so you kind of have to like watch out for people who challenge you because they're doing it for a reason, right? They see some sort of potential in you. And so over the years, like I ended up taking three or four classes with her. She was a really great professor. She And she taught in so many different spheres and, spe- and sectors. And so because of the comparative politics class, um, I spent some time abroad in China um, where I interned for an organization through the honors program that we had at New Paltz. And um, I figured out at that point that like I was just sold on international work and human rights work. And I still kind of wanted to go into law, but I was unsure. And then um, my last semester of college, I interned at a nonprofit organization that focused on women's reproductive rights. And it was with by and far a large amount of attorneys. And um, I was like, wow, holy crap. I love this work. I never want to be a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's like, I think for like years and years and years, and this was like even mock trial, right? Like in like 11th grade, I had teachers being like, oh my God, like you have to go to law school. And like, I was just like conditioned to think since I was, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, like you have to be a lawyer. And so when I finally figured out like what lawyers did and, and I was surrounded by lawyers 24 hours a day or whatever, 40 hours a week. Um, I was, I was like, wow, this is not a sustainable life for me. This is not something I want to do, but I like like this sector and sphere work. So I knew that I wanted to work in human rights. I knew I wanted to do advocacy work. I wanted to change people's lives and make changes for the better for the world. Um, but I knew I didn't want to do it through law. So my next question for myself was like, what are my skills? What are things that I enjoy? Um, over my time at that organization, even though I figured out I do not like law, I figured out that I love health and I love global health. So I kind of dipped my feet into the health world and now I'm working in policy and health, which I love. So it kind of took some, some trial and error to figure out what I'm super passionate about, what I really love, but, um, that's where I ended up. And so that's kind of like a little overview of my, my career, um, path and my, career passions and then Courtney mentioned um hobbies yeah so like I said I'm super into fitness um I'm super into right now cooking is a big thing I know that a lot of people are picking it such a good cook your shrimp I'm craving that like honey walnut shrimp man hit me up for that recipe (laughs) gotta love it honestly I absolutely love your story about what you found a passion for for your career and I don't really think I knew, like, that whole story about you, so. I yeah. That. It's, like, I think the biggest thing that I tell people is, like, people had told me since I was, like, 14 or 15 years old, and, like, even my parents, they're, everyone was, like, oh, like, you're so smart, like, you're gonna make such a great lawyer, but, like, and so, like, I took on that personality without ever realizing that, like, it was something that I hated and didn't want to do, just because other people were telling me, like, oh, you're great at it, and, like, that's what you should be. Mm -hmm. So like, 
something that I always tell people is like, make sure that you're doing what you're doing for you and not to please other people, you know? And and it's like such a genuine message in life in everything in life, but especially a career, like obviously you can change career paths and like, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, if you want to start off doing something you love, like make sure you're doing it for you. Yeah. That's one of my favorite sayings ever. And I think I mentioned something very similar in my first podcast that if you find something you're passionate about and you put your drive and motivation towards that, like you're guaranteed to be successful because you're enjoying it. And when you enjoy the ride, it usually works out in the end. And that's kind of what I want this whole podcast to be about. I want other people to be able to find that because sometimes I know it's challenging, especially if you're in college, because I mean, you've changed multiple topics of what you studied and finally found it. So yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I went from this idea of like wanting to pursue law and I wanted to pursue law in something so different, right? I wanted to pursue a law in domestic violence and somehow I ended up in like the healthcare sector and like the health policy sector specifically. So now I'm working to make sure that kids in New York state and New York city have access to healthcare, um, regardless of like their status in, in like the government or like foster care system or whatever. Um, so it's, it's so vastly different than what I originally thought I wanted to do. Um, but I'm so much happier than I think I would have ever been way back, you know, years ago when I was like, Oh, I want to do law in this very specific field. Yeah, exactly. Love that. All right. So I think the next thing I want to get into before we start our main topic is something I'm going to be trying to do every podcast. So a girl I worked with actually introduced me to this and it kind of stuck with me and I practice it every once in a while. I really love it. So it's checking in with yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally and just seeing how you're doing. So I'll be uneasy on you since you just went over your whole life background. I'll start off with this and then you can pick it up. All right. How am I feeling physically today? Or maybe in the past week. So oh, this week was so, it's just been so interesting being at home and not really having anywhere to go besides a few miles down my road. I don't know about you, but well, you've probably been going grocery shopping and such because it's just you and your boyfriend in your apartment. But my brother's been doing all that for me. So I actually haven't gone anywhere and I'm with my whole family. Um, but they've been doing the running out of the house. So it's been an interesting week. So physically, I am feeling okay. I think I'm trying to move my body more. I haven't been doing workouts like I used to. And I'm okay with that. I'm taking this time to really change my style of working out. So one of my goals for May is actually to get 10,000 steps a day. So I did that yesterday and today. And it has been helping me feel a lot better just getting up and moving my body. Um, but actually, okay, this is so funny. So I don't know if you remember this, Martina, but back in high school, you, you and I used to go on runs all the time. And I remember you, since you lived so close to me, we would run to each other's houses when we had like nothing to do on the weekend. And I miss that so much, by the way. But you taught me this one trick that I use to this day. So when you're going up a hill, you go really low like you I wish I could like show everyone you crouch down to your knees and you like 
slowly walk up the hill and it is so easy let me tell you this was actually me today running up the harlem hill i was like hunched over i think people were like is this girl all right <laughs> oh yeah you 100 percent look ridiculous doing it but it's so easy yeah and it's crazy because everybody has these ring cameras now so i'm like all right this house right here on the left is gonna see me walking up this hill like an idiot but i don't care because it Right, it literally looks like you have, like, appendicitis, like, you're about to keel over, like, can you call an ambulance, but, like, you're also, like, wow, this is so easy, I feel fine right now. Honestly, and here I am with my mom, too, and, like, we're both doing it as we walk up the hill. Another one is, you could turn around and walk up and, like, work out your calves a little bit. That one's, like, okay, but... So, also, one more quick trick, I learned... And this is like applies more when you're running. Sorry, I know I'm, we're going off on a tangent, but like it's okay. It's as, it's, as it's as a as great as trick as if you're a runner or if you hate running and you're running up a hill. It makes it way more bearable. Um, really short, quick steps, um, and as opposed to like lengthening your stride, people don't realize like how out of breath you get when you lengthen your stride going uphill, particularly uphill. Oh. So yeah, long, long strides uphill will tire you out like so freaking fast. But if you just take tiny fast steps while you're going uphill, like for some reason you zip up the hill and it's like, whoa, I don't, I have no fatigue. So great suggestion. Yeah. Open the new tricks. Anything to make running easier. Um, I mean, do it, (laughs) do it more and more every day. (laughs) Um, It depends. Like, are you, are you, uh, you know, trying to run distance? Are you trying to run speed? Because there are tricks for every which, every which way. I mean, so I can tell you, if you want to finish our our little check-in, I can tell you some running tips and tricks I've learned after. Okay. I like that. Okay. So physically, I hate to be a downer, but honestly, like physically today, yesterday and today specifically, I don't know what it was. I was talking to you about this a little bit. But I think I had some weird allergic reaction to something I ate, and I'm pretty good at listening to my body, and I eat similar foods on a day-to-day basis, but I swear, I this red onion that I ate in my salad just made me feel so sick, and as soon as I realized that I had that in my salad, because I don't do it that often, I remember that this has happened to me before, and this is just a note to self, I'm never eating red onion again, because I still feel sick, and... I just want to go to bed. But anyways, I'll try to lighten up the mood. Overall, I'm going to make the next few week, the next week or next few weeks because I obviously want to have a good week. I'm going to try to do better with working out and hitting 10k steps a day to feel better physically. That's my rant. How do you feel physically, Martina? Physically? Um I feel like I feel like I have like a little bit of a runner's high right now, like I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like, like, my body feels beat, but at the same time, like, it feels like good beat, you know, like, when you have a tough workout, and you just plop down on the couch, but you're like, damn, I feel good, like, yeah, that's how my whole body feels right now, I did a upper body workout yesterday, and I ran about 10 miles today. We just need to take a moment to, like, 10 miles, that's crazy. It's, uh, it's quarantine. (laughs) What I else do we have to do? And here I am, like, I'm hitting 10K steps a day. I'm doing five miles. No, every and all movement is great. Never, ever yeah, feel like you're not true. doing enough. You know, like, anything that makes your 
your, you know, frown turn upside down and makes your blood flow <laughs> is, it's, I'm all about it. People can yeah. dance, they can do their TikToks, and if it's keeping oh them active God. and if it's keeping them, you know, mentally clear and feeling good, then that's good. I like that. All right. Mentally. I think I'm at a good peace of mind. Every morning I wake up, I just, I don't know, I've been super positive, like, especially because working from home and this type of lifestyle is something that I've always wanted to have. So I try to wake up each day with like a new goal and I try to stay organized and just break up my day into different sections. So I think mentally compared to the beginning of this quarantine, I'm doing a lot better with my mental state, if that makes sense. Um, I feel pretty good. I'm happy. Life is good. I'm healthy. Can't be sad about too much these days. How about you? I'm feeling freaking like motivated. I don't know. I feel like I have like my highs and lows throughout the week, right? Like some days I'm like, like I'm just like over it all. But then other days I'm like, I feel good. Like I'm going to accomplish a lot today. And so today was one of those days for me. And even though I didn't accomplish as much as I had wanted to, right. I thought I was going to go on this 10 mile run and then do a leg workout and then do yoga. And I didn't, I did my 10 mile run and I went for a walk, but I still feel so motivated to like get up and have a routine and eat healthy and to fuel my body properly. And I feel so like, excited and happy to just have this beautiful weather um I think that's a big factor for me so it's it's given me a lot of mental clarity I think emotionally like it's so funny that you mentioned the weather because the last two or three days I think it's been sunny did I FaceTime you this week while I was walking or was that totally another week you did it was a little cloudy that day though okay maybe in New York City it was cloudy that day was it Tuesday why do I want to say it was Tuesday? Yeah, I think so. I just, I felt so good and happy that day. I don't know what it was, but it it really is the sunshine because I think Monday it rained and I just, I wanted to start the week on a good note, but I couldn't get myself out of bed. And then as soon as the sun came up on Tuesday, I just bounced right up and moved on with my life and it was great. So I have to keep that in mind. I need to somehow break away from that whole weather thing so difficult but this week's probably going to be nice so yeah hopefully i make some changes and also like i think the thing is too is like if it's coming off of a rainy day like if it's like rainy on a monday and then tuesday it's nice out like you're still kind of in that rainy day mentality Mm -hmm. on tuesday morning sometimes you just have to like force yourself to get up and like get out and like once you're out you'll feel so much better you know such a good point how about you anything you want to add emotionally Emotionally, um, emotionally, I'm like sad and frustrated with the state of the world right now. Like, mm. it's like really sad to hear about. So I don't know if I mentioned to uh, our listeners right now, but I'm I'm located in New York City, and it's it's really sad to see the how like paramount this the loss mm. has been due to the like ongoing virus, and um when I was on my run today, this is like my, my little plug, my public service announcement. And I was ranting to Courtney earlier. (laughs) I did my 10 mile run with a mask on and I could not even count the amount of people not wearing masks, um, runners, walkers, people hanging out, people walking dogs. 
And it's just, like, so disheartening and socially irresponsible. So my big public service announcement is, like, if I can run 10 miles with a mask on, you could put a mask on to walk. You can put a mask on to run. You could put a mask on to sit down on the grass if you're not able to keep distance, especially for any New York City it's. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – so I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with that. But, but personally, emotionally, I'm feeling pretty pretty happy. Good. Thank you for saying that about the mask, and especially in New York City, I'm actually shocked to hear. And okay, that picture you sent me today—were those people in the back? Like, I—it was like a faraway yeah, picture. There are so many oh, people. Right, everywhere. like hundreds and hundreds of people are going I'm to the shocked. parks. If you're gonna keep your distance from people, fine. Don't wear a mask if you feel like you really can't. But if you're going to be up and close and personal, and especially in the New York City parks, there is no reason for you to not wear a mask. Like I said, it's hard to breathe with a mask, sure, but like it's also hard to run with a mask, to run in general and to like breathe. And you, you make that choice to run, right? So like if you can run and deal with the breathing issues, then you can run with a mask and deal with the breathing issues. Definitely. And to any listeners that maybe feel uncomfortable or funny wearing a mask, like we're all in this together, and we're all wearing masks. Like, don't be ashamed to and wear one. Plus, are you going to say what I'm going to say? <laughs> Probably. It's such an added training benefit because you will literally <laughs> – it's not. <laughs> oh, my God. It's okay. Okay. No, but it's actually such an amazing train training benefit because, like, it's miserable right now, right? But then, like, the next time you're able to run without a mask on, like – Right now, you might run, like, an eight-minute mile, and then you're going to take the damn mask off, and you're going to run, like, a 6.30 mile and be like, what the hell? But it's because your body's not used to taking an oxygen in the same way, and so you're just going to reap a massive benefit. Like, it's really, really, like, people just don't think about it. Yeah. And I don't know, in my opinion, it's like how like Novak Djokovic and other pro athletes have oxygen chambers, but it's like for plebeians, like, <laughs> like we're peasants and we maybe don't have it the same way that like these elite athletes do, but it's, uh, it's still a training tool. Yeah. It's so I thought you were going to go in a different direction because we talked about this the other day, but I was going to say that it's covering up half my face and all of my chin acne. So I've been oh loving God. wearing the mask because if I see someone, all they see are my eyes. They don't know that I don't have makeup on. So that's yeah, my plus of wearing a mask. Yeah. All right. So I know we went off on a tangent, but I hope you loved our conversation, listeners. Um, we're actually going to get into the topic now. So keep on listening. Thank you, guys. Today's topic is going to be all things careers and networking. So Martina kind of went over what she studied, where she went to school. So I'm going to ask her a few questions, and I hope these help you guys as well. Um, But I'm going to start off with one just for fun. What is your typical morning routine on a work day? Okay, so are we talking like a normal work day or are we talking like a quarantine work day? Okay, a normal work day. Okay, yeah. so it's not too different, but I'll I'll let you know the differences um, okay. if our listeners are interested, because I know right now we are in quarantine, so it's like a little bit of an adjustment period. So on a normal work day, um, prior to the quarantine, I was actually training for two big races in April and May, which were obviously like unfortunately canceled. And as I mentioned, I'm like super into fitness and I love the gym. Um, so I typically do my workouts in the evenings. 
Um, but since I was training for races, I also was incorporating running. So in the mornings I would wake up. I, the first, so it depends. Um, but usually between five 45 and six. Oh my God. Oh wait. And what are your work hours? Okay, so I work nine to five, but I have like it's called a flex schedule. So I'm allowed to go in um, up until ten, but I have to add whatever time to the end of the day. So if I go in at nine thirty, then I have to end at five thirty. So like I try to get there at nine so that I can end at five. You know, have my evening free. Um, So typically, I wake up at like around between five forty-five and six. my boyfriend works a seven thirty to four thirty schedule every other week. So, um, and he's an early riser in general. So he would normally just wake me up because I hate mornings. I'm not a morning person. I always try to like them. I just can't. I am actually so surprised. I did not know that about you. Yeah, that's like our our yeah. probably number one difference, Courtney. Because <laughs> we're actually the same person. Yeah. Um. So I wake up usually around five forty five six. Um. And right before quarantine, I was going for a run pretty much every morning. And so it would be a different type of run every day. So I have a day where I would do an easy run, a day where I would do a training run, like a like speed workout. I would have a day where I do a long run. I have a day where I do, it's called like an aerobic threshold run, which is like your like typical 5K pace. Um, and the, the mileage would vary depending on the run type. So I go on my run. Um... Oh, sorry. The first thing that I would do before going on my run, drink one full glass of water. Always, every morning, one full glass of water without fail. I would get in for my run, hop in the shower, um, towel up, and have my cup of coffee in my towel. I always have a cup of coffee every morning. I can't do a morning without coffee. I tried to switch to tea. Not for me. I mean, I love tea, but like not in the morning. I need my coffee. Um, and I always, always, always have breakfast in the morning. I'm kind of a creature of habit. So I have the same thing pretty much every morning. I always have one egg, one egg white, <laughs> sourdough and mashed avocado. It's always the same. Oh, I love sourdough. Um, really yeah. So one slice of sourdough, smashed avocado, egg, egg white every morning without fail. This morning. How do you drink your coffee? If I'm having iced coffee, I typically drink it with a little bit of um, almond milk or oat milk. And then if I'm drinking hot coffee, I usually drink it black or I have an espresso. Um, I've been kind of on lately, uh, like an espresso with frothed oat milk. Um, I don't know if that's just like a quarantine thing. I didn't used to do that. (laughs) Um, but sometimes it's like nice to sip on when you start your work day. But anyways, I would always have my coffee. I'd have a breakfast even like on mornings that I haven't been hungry, I always have breakfast. I notice that when I don't have breakfast, I know that like intermittent fasting works for a lot of people, but I figured out that for me, if I wait until I'm really hungry, then the first thing that I eat is going to be a full bag of popcorners or something so unhealthy and then I'll feel so sick. So I always eat breakfast whether or not I want it because I know that it'll just prepare me to like ease into the day with hunger instead of becoming a monster a hangry monster (laughs) and so I always always have breakfast and it also because I have the same thing every day it's kind of um like mindless and easy and quick and so I know that I'm setting myself up for a good choice for the day 
after I have my breakfast, I change, I get, or change out of my towel, right? <laughs> I get ready. Um, I've, I haven't worn makeup to my job in over a year now, I think. Wow. Just about, <laughs> I maybe wore makeup the first month that I was at my job and then I was like, you know what? Um, I look like a teenager wearing makeup to my job because I work with <laughs> an older population and, and no one wears makeup. So. Yeah, so, but I always wear nice work clothes, um, and then I, uh, walk to the subway and get my day started. Love that. I was actually going to ask how you got to work, so you do take the subway. Um, yeah. Oh, I like your morning routine. Yeah, it's, for me, the, it's, like, super sustainable. Like, I know a lot of people talk about, like, oh, like, you should say self-affirmations in the morning or journal, and, like, I think that's great if that works for you, but it doesn't work for everyone. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm such an advocate of, like, figure out what works for you. Figure out what's sustainable. I know that if I tried to journal every morning, like, I would probably do it once and then never do it again. Or yeah. I would get too pent up journaling that I, like, would not make breakfast. Or, like, it just doesn't work for me. And so, and, like, similarly, like, some people could just never have the same breakfast every morning. They'd get super bored or miserable and they would despise avocados for the rest of their life. For me, I could yeah. have the same breakfast every morning and, like, it's really great tool for me to make sure that I'm setting my day up right. But, like, listen to your body, figure out what works for you, try different things. It's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Also, can you tell everyone how many bags of popcorners you ordered this week? Oh, my God. Okay. So... My boyfriend and I love popcorners. <laughs> um, Who doesn't? Like, this is crazy. not a sponsored ad. Oh, I wish it was. I yeah, same. Hashtag no free ads. Um, so we ordered 12 bags of popcorners this week for $30. The big bags. Um, we're, we already had one full bag last night, and they just got here <laughs> Thursday. So there's Did that. you go with kettle corn flavor? Yeah, of course. Always kettle. Kettle or die, like, honestly. I'm obsessed. All right. I love that morning routine. We actually Um, have a whole junk food cabinet. I don't know if I should be advertising that, but, like, whatever. Like, a girl's got to live. Yeah, you have to. Like, life is all about balance, and you only live once, and when you're craving stuff, you just got to go for it. Yeah, in moderation so that you don't, like, hate yourself and make yourself sick. (laughs) All right. Next question. Let's see. Did you answer this already? What is your first memorable moment of finally realizing what you want to do with your career? It's actually a really good question. And I have like a super, super specific moment that I'm thinking of. Okay. So I was at my first job. I interned there, like I said, before I um, applied to work there. Um, That's kind of another quick quick thing to touch on if you're an intern somewhere and you see a position open up at the organization you're interning at and you like it there um don't expect anyone to offer it to you go after it aggressively I don't think anyone would have ever offered me a job if I didn't see a posting and say hey am I allowed to apply for this and when I said aloud I I wasn't saying it was me saying I'm going to apply for this as long as there are no um conflicts of interest right go after something like don't think that people are going to hand you a job um and it shows motivation and it shows a lot of you know great work traits um but my the big moment where I kind of realized what I um what I really wanted to do and like what kind of really 
woke me up was I was at that job for a year and I was working with lawyers and I for the first year I was there I still thought that I had to be a lawyer and wanted to go to law school and I was working with lawyers who were telling me I should be a lawyer and so it's really hard to get away from uh what other people tell you if you're not necessary like if you're constantly surrounded by it and if you're not necessarily like giving yourself space to question you know what you really like and so Mm -hmm. I remember sitting down with my first like true boss and my first mentor and she was going to write me a letter of recommendation for law school and I had just taken the LSAT which is like the standardized test for law school and I felt like I bombed it I felt like I did atrocious and I was just so like panicked and so I was sitting in her office with her talking about like what maybe she could write in those letter of recommendations and then I just started hysterically crying and I don't remember why or how or like what brought it about in that conversation but all of a sudden I looked at her and I was just like I'm so scared that I'm not going to get into law school and she looked at me and she was like are you crying because you're scared you're not going to get into law school or are you crying because you're scared that you are and I was like holy crap (laughs) I was like I never no one's ever posed it to me that way before (laughs) and so I was like wow like so one of the things that I said is I know that I said I worked with a lot of lawyers but I, I also worked at an organization where you know it was a big organization a global organization and so there were obviously other professionals there were communications professionals there were HR professionals there were operations professionals And I think it was the first time, like, my parents kind of always hammered into my head, doctor, lawyer, engineer, those are the paths to success, like, you have to be one of the three, Um, otherwise you're never going to make money, you're never going to go anywhere, blah, blah, blah. As supportive as my parents are, they obviously, like, wanted me to do one of those things. And so, I think when I was working there, when she asked me that question, I realized that there were so many people in that office that were so immensely successful who weren't lawyers. And I was like, holy crap, like I can, I can do something else and be so successful. Yeah. And so I was like crying because I was like, I'd never even thought about what I could do if I didn't want to be a lawyer or like if I didn't become a lawyer that I was like so overwhelmed because I was like, there are so many options. Like, this is, like, it's, like, scary to think, like, well, I'm not going to do what I thought my whole life I was going to do. And so now I have, like, a world of options, which is, like, good and amazing, but also so scary. And I think it just, like, hit me, right? So, like, then I was, like, I, I, I didn't even know at that point, like, honestly and frankly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew what I didn't want. And I think that's huge. And I don't think you have to know what you want to do. Um, I think you have to know what you don't want to do and you can kind of figure out from there what you do want to do. I like that. Wow. That's deep. I like that though. That's such a good point. Yeah. I actually, I have a cry story as well. So similar to finding what I actually want to do with my life. So I was a freshman and I was playing field hockey at the time. It was right before the semester started. We were there early for preseason. I think, so I was going in as a management major and I don't know what, I don't really think I knew what I wanted to do. I had the idea of being a nutritionist in my mind at the time, 
Um, but I also was thinking about like owning my own nutrition practice. I don't know. I honestly don't even know much about what that takes to this day. Um, but at the time that was just like a little idea that I had. And part of me, I don't know what, part of me wanted to like also major in psychology because I think that would have played a role with taking nutrition classes. Not really sure still, but anywho. So I went and spoke with the athletic director and I really wish I remembered how the whole conversation went, but I just remember it ending with me crying because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And she had said to me, like, I, I'm very bad at math, like accounting, quantitative business, all the calculus classes I had to take, I was struggling in. Maybe it was mid-semester because I think I had, I totally had my mentored, midterm grades and realized how bad I did on them because of math. Um that's totally what it was. But anyways, so I wanted to switch. Okay, it's coming back to me as I'm telling the story. I wanted to switch to psychology because my math grades were so bad. And then I knew I wanted to stay in business, so I was really conflicted. And I remember her telling me something along the lines of, if I'm, I'm like shocked to this day, but after your story, it kind of made me realize something. But she was like, if you're going to stay in business and you're bad at math, like, you're not going to be successful and, like, you're not going to be able to do business. So, like, think about that. And I think that's why I started crying because I thought, like, because I was bad at math, I wasn't going to be successful in my major and I wasn't going to get a job after school. But now that you shared your story, I'm wondering if she was just trying to put, like, a realization in my head to see, like, why I'm crying. Like, am I crying because... I know I don't want to do nutrition, but I'm too scared to change and break away from that. I don't know. Or she was just a major. That's true. Maybe. <laughs> That's possible. Honestly, that too. Who knows? But I'm here now, and I'm still very bad at math, and I'm thriving in business. So very good. You know what, guys? You don't have to be good at math, but there's calculators. and. But also, like, that said, like, if you, like, can't do chemistry, like, don't think you're going to become a food chemist, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like, right. like, measure your strengths and, like, and weaknesses, like, yeah. if you're bad at one thing, don't let that set you back, but, like, if, if what you're bad at is, like, the key component of your career dream, like, maybe explore something True. else. True, okay, that reminds me where I was trying to go with this story, is that, like, hearing her say that made me want to do better in that subject. So I signed up for a tutor like the next day and I met with my tutor like once a week until I had to take a final. And then I went to my professor's office hours probably every time she had them. And I just made sure my professor knew that I was trying, even though my test grades weren't matching with the effort I was putting in to the class. I wanted her to know that I cared, and honestly, she helped me out so much in the end, even though I did really bad on all of the exams. So, always show that you care, and I think you kind of had that point, too. Like, if you yeah. put in the effort and you show that you care about something and you try your hardest, it'll probably all work out, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. well, because, like, ten times out of ten, employers will, and this goes for professors, too, and, like, and like I even apply it to, like, friendships, like... I will always choose someone who cares about what they do as opposed to someone who's good at what they do, but they don't care. Oh, yeah. Because, like, if you care, you will do good. 
Maybe you'll have weaknesses, but you will ultimately do good because you have so much care as opposed to someone who just like doesn't care, but they're just like good. They'll never match the level of, of like greatness that someone who really cares will have, you know? I like that. All right. Let's see. Another question that we can answer. If you could go back to college, what do you wish you could have done or any advice you would give to yourself in college career related? Career related. Oh gosh. Um, I think I would have, I would have taken another language. Um, yeah, so I took four semesters of Arabic. I loved it. Beautiful language. I still have a decent amount of Arabic kind of stored in the back of my brain. I could probably hold a, um, (laughs) a 10 minute conversation. (laughs) No, I can, I can communicate with someone. Um, I can read, I can write in Arabic, but I have lost a lot of it, unfortunately. But I do wish that I, I mean, Arabic was, it was a a core requirement for my major to take four semesters of language, uh, two years. But I wish that I took, I wish I minored in a language. I wish that I took another language in addition to Arabic. I can't even, I can't even emphasize the value that language has in careers, especially in New York City, especially in a big metropolis area. Um, it's it's huge, like, to be able to say, I speak another language, especially if you're interested in nonprofit work, if you're interested in public service work, in, like, government work, anything like that. Um, such a huge added value. I think outside of career-related stuff. I wish I was a little bit easier on myself in college. Um, some people, uh, don't take it seriously and some people take it too seriously. And I think I was one of those people who took it too seriously and I didn't give myself a good balance. I didn't go out a lot. I spent a lot of nights, most nights, probably four nights out of the five during the week, pulling all nighters in our honor center so I didn't, I missed out on a lot of the, the good memories that college had. And so like something that I tell people is like, don't be afraid to go out. Like obviously have your balance, work hard, but like at the same time, like employers don't look at your grade point average. They care about what your professors say about you. If you're using them as a recommender, they care about your major, they care about what you got out of college, but they don't, they're not going to put a number on you and say, oh, you had a three point four nine two we're gonna hire you or you had a 2.7 we're not gonna hire you don't go for the 2.7 obviously go for the 3.92 but like give yourself a night off too I agree with that so much and I've had to look over some potential interns resumes and such and I always look at what they've done their experience and how they carry themselves and when I'm talking to them if they can tell their story from point a to point b about what they've done in college, I think that's so so much more important than their actual GPA, especially coming from someone, aka myself, who like I did pretty well in school, but not as good as I would have liked to. But I have more experience and more willing to learn. But unfortunately, my grades just didn't match with that because I'm the yeah, worst like, exam taker. Yeah, same. And like employers just don't care. Like it's a number, and like it's not uniform, right? Like. Someone could be at a really great school and, like, 
their classes could just happen to be so easy and they can have a 4.0 and someone could be at like not a name school or a state school or what other people would say is like an average school but their classes could be challenging and really hard and like like there's no way to quantify like across the U.S. and even internationally like what's hard and what's not and like Someone's 4.0 could see, could be someone's 3.5 somewhere else. Someone's 3.5 can be someone's 4.0. Someone's 3.5 could be someone's 2.0. So it's like employers don't care. They care about how exactly what you're saying, Court. Like they care about how you narrate your story. And like if you've like put serious consideration into what you want to do and like you've like gone out of your way to like make opportunities for yourself and pursue those. That's such a fair point. That's one thing that if I could go back, I wish I could have either like volunteered more or studied abroad and gotten that type of experience. Um, So anyone that is still in college, definitely look into that if that's something you've thought about because I was so close to going abroad and I backed out like very last minute and decided not to follow through. And I, I was very lucky to do another trip that I took a class through my school and we learned about the mission of Siena College and we learned about Italy and then we wound up going to Italy for 11 days. So very thankful that I did have that opportunity, but I wish I could have done something more extensive. So that would be my little piece of advice. Let's do one more question. Is there a specific one I sent you that you'd like to answer? Okay, let's see. What would you recommend to college students graduating and applying for jobs right now, 2020, especially during this pandemic? Um, I've gotten this question. It's so hard. I feel bad for everybody and all my friends. Yeah, it's a super hard time. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I would say is, like, don't get discouraged. Um, It's hard for everyone. People who have jobs are getting laid off. People are getting furloughed. Um, I was supposed to get a promotion and like, I have a title promotion, but I don't have a salary promotion right now because, um, of all the budget cuts that the city is facing. And so it's kind of tough for everyone across the board. So I think like one of the biggest things is just like, don't get discouraged, um, continue applying, continue networking. Um, my favorite tip about networking is, um, that networking is like a garden. You have to plant a seed and you have to water it. That doesn't mean you plant a seed and you walk away and you don't do anything else and you expect a tree to grow. For the tree to grow, you have to water it, right? So if you have a networking connection, check in with them. Um, Reach out to them, write a thank you note. um, Make it a point to hop on a Skype call that they're uh, hosting or a, a webinar that they're hosting Um, never think that you can just make a connection with someone and reach out months later and say, hey, do you have a job opening? Or, hey, can you recommend me for this? Or, hey, can you connect me to someone in your HR office? Because that is not how a networking relationship works. You have to really water that seed and and hope that, um, not hope that, and and let it flourish and grow um, by continuing to nourish it. Um, The other thing that I would say is, like, in addition to not getting discouraged, Use the time to really hone your materials. Um, Send them to people who are in the fields that you're interested in and ask them to rip it up for you. I can't even emphasize enough. Like, you are, 
you can think that everything that you have is perfect and it will never be like, and that's not to say that you're not amazing and your work isn't great and valuable, but like I, I have reworked my CV and my resume and my cover letter over a thousand times and it's still nowhere near perfect. Wait, what was the first one you said? Your CV? Yeah. So that's that your curricula vitale, which is like basically what you would submit to a grad school. So it's a little more extensive than a resume. Sometimes resumes are more limited to work experience. Your CV can have things like research. Um, it can have things like, um, like courses you've taken that are like relevant to a grad school program you're applying to. Um, but use the, use the time during the quarantine to really hone those materials down and like make sure that you're being example heavy in your, um, in your cover letters, right? If you're, or in your resumes, even if you're saying that you created a database, what did the database have in it? How many quantify things, give solid examples. If you managed a budget, was that budget $10 million dollars? Uh, what do you do with that budget? So examples are something that I really like to emphasize in materials. I think a lot of people forget about that. If you manage clients, name some of the clients if that's, you know, permitted by them and if they consent to that. Um, so yeah, one of those, one of the big things is use the time to kind of really nourish your, uh, portfolio and, um, continue to nourish those networking relationships. Um, the other thing that I would say is like, don't necessarily be scared of looking into fields that, you know, have piqued your interest, but you've never explored. Um, it's such a time of uncertainty. And like, if you're not able to get a job in, in one field, maybe you can in another and you just haven't really thought about it or you don't know. Like, and I think it's, it's kind of that mentality of like, people are so desperate for jobs that like, you can kind of open up and widen your job search of it. And then who knows, maybe you'll end up somewhere you just didn't think you would end up, but you, you end up loving it. I love that. I, anytime I talk to you, I learn something completely new and it's just amazing. I love it. So smart. Oh, I think I need to take that resume advice too and update mine and actually put in some real data of what I've done, especially. So if I'm doing like a marketing campaign or like something on social media, like how many followers or something I've grown a page from, yeah. like I, I've been trying to keep track of that so I can actually add that in. And that's just like one small thing out of it. But I think that is great advice. Okay. So I have one more question for you and then you can cover anything you may want to add in, but what would be your number one interview tip? So somebody that's going on an interview, whether it's for a job or grad school. The thing with interviews is that no one tip is outweighs the other. I think every interview tip is super, super relevant. And like every interview tip is equal. It's just as important to show up on time as it is to be uh, knowledgeable about what position you're going for. It's just yeah. as important to show up uh, clean and neat as it is to show up with questions prepared. It's just as important to um, thank your interviewer as it is to, uh, I guess, I don't know, um, narrate your work experience. It, everything is equal in an interview. And I think what it comes down to is ultimately being prepared and being professional. So the two Ps, um, and I always go back to them. So 
kind of in a sequence. Um, if you're able to connect with someone uh, before you apply to a position, connect with them, ask them about the position, ask them about the organization, ask them about the work. Um, and then you're able to kind of curate your application materials a little bit more based on that conversation. If you're fortunate enough to get an interview, um, go prepared. Look up the organization and really, really do a deep dive. Don't just say, okay, I know their mission. I know uh, these are the current things they're working on. Know the depths of it. You know, I went into my interview with um, in health policy knowing exactly what policies were out for public comment and who had commented on them, and I had questions about that. Kind of know your material. Um, know how to narrate how your experience can fit in. So I like to say this, that, that uh, a job that is a good fit for you and like you're a good fit for a job, it, it's like a relationship, right? Like you have to be a good fit for it and it, it has to be a good fit for you. So you have to make sure how to explain how you think you would fit in well or what gaps you can fill that the employer needs. And then you have to say, well, I think you can be good for me in this way. Because as self-serving as um, our capitalistic world is, at the same time, um, a lot of jobs like to think about their employees' uh, growth trajectories. And so they want to make sure that you kind of fit into them, but also that they fit your needs so that you can, you know, so they can invest in you long term. Um, so preparedness, being able to kind of narrate your experience, um, describing, you know, how you fit them, how they fit you. Um, of course being, you know, on time, being well-dressed. Um, and then I think one of the big things is always just extending your gratitude for their time. Um, I personally have always handwritten thank you notes to anyone who's interviewed me. I really recommend that people do that. And I'm always example heavy. I don't keep it as a very generic, thanks for taking the time to interview me. I actually put one or two points about our specific conversation into that thank you note. So that's really big. Um, at that point, it's kind of all in their hands. And I think the, the final interview tip is if you're called for a follow-up, be doubly as prepared. <laughs> I love that. So... How many interviews do you think you've been, like, have you been on a, quite a handful? So my last job had two. Okay. It was a two-step. But then my last job, it was two, and then we had a, 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 like, task exam. So if you made it past the second round, you had to submit, like, a writing exam. My former job before that, it was a one-to-one, and then another one-to-one, and then a group interview, and then it was me with three directors, so it was four interviews, and then three tasks. So it was a writing assignment, a quantified assignment, and an administrative assignment. So that right there is seven interviews, and then I've had like six internships. So all of those had at least initial interviews, if not second interviews. So I've been on, I would say somewhere between like 12 to 15 so looking at like your first ever interview and like your most recent one, do you think there's been like, a, like as you gotten used to these interviews, do you think you've become more adapted to them, more comfortable? 
Yeah, for sure. So I think one of the things that made it a lot easier over time was just like having more experience, right? Like yeah. it's hard to show up. Yeah. It's, it's hard to show up at your first interview and say like, well, I have this prior job experience. If you don't, you kind of have to make do with what you have and say like, this is what I want to learn. And this is how I think I can learn it. And I might have, I might not have this skill, but I have this skill that can teach me more about this skill. And so it's a little bit trickier at first when you move into your more seasoned interviews, um, it gets easier because you have more experience. I think also like you, you learn about your weaknesses, you learn about your strengths. I think my big weakness in interviews is that, um, or my not necessarily weakness, but my area that I need to improve on, right. In interviews, that's how we should always frame things is that I tend to ramble and I've probably done it on this podcast. Um, (laughs) I tend to ramble, so I need to be conscious of that, but I've learned that because I've been on so many interviews. I don't think that the first interview I have ever been on, I don't think I would have gone in thinking like, okay, Martina, don't ramble. But after doing it 10 times, I'm like, wow, I've rambled quite a bit. So I I know the next interview I go into, I need to kind of slow it down, answer the question and leave it at that. One of my, how did you word it? Because I, I usually say one of my weaknesses, an area I need to improve on Yeah. Exactly. is if I get asked a question, I don't know, like I always have a struggle getting to the point, like maybe that is ram, maybe it's the same thing as rambling, but I always start off and give like one example, give a second example. And then I'm like, did I even answer the question? And that's definitely something I need to work on because as I've gone on more interviews, I've noticed that I do that so often and I kind of like laugh it off and like, oh, like, did that help? And like, they, they wind up saying like, yeah, like that's good. They move on. But in my head, I'm like, I could have totally handled that better. Yeah, it's tough. Like, obviously, it's like the stakes are high and like you're nervous. But like, I think one of the best things that you can do is just like, in a way, like, you know that you're in an interview setting, but you also kind of have to think that you're like talking to a friend about your work experience. So true. Because like, that flows just so much more naturally. And it's so much less high pressure. And then like, you're making sense, you're talking about your passion, you're tying it all together. But you're not going on and on and on and wondering if you answered the question five minutes later, you know? Yeah. All right. I think that's all I have to ask. I really hope this was helpful to some people. I think it honestly helped me a lot. And I'm excited to, like, re-listen to all this, too. Anything else you want to add before we get into questions? Nothing I can think of. All right. All right, let's take a look at some questions. Before we get into questions, actually, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that you were going to give me some sort of running tip, and I forgot to bring it back up. Do you remember? Yeah. So I have a couple of different running tips. So it depends on, like, how you're trying to build your endurance or speed or whatever as a runner. Um, I'll talk a little bit about my experience as fast as I can. Um, So I was training for two big races, two half marathons in April and May. Um, I've run three half marathons before and one full marathon. And, um, I think 
every time I've run, I've just focused so much on endurance that it has not made me a stronger runner. It's just made me someone who's able to crawl past the finish line. And so this time around, I decided to kind of take my training a little more seriously because I wanted to set a personal record. I wanted to run my half marathon under two hours, um, which even though the race was canceled, I ran it on the day that I would have would have run it and I ran it with a mask and I ran it under two hours so it just goes to show the training paid off a lot anywho coming up with a structured training routine is like really really important and making sure that you have variety in training so like I said I was going on one easy run a week an easy run like people underestimate like it should be an easy easy run like you should be able to hold a conversation no problem Whatever your average mile time is, average, not fast, your average mile time is, you add two minutes to it. You should be close to walking. Um, That easy run is really meant to be your recovery, and it's just meant to keep your endurance up. Um, How much distance do you run on your easy run? Yeah, so my easy run, I typically run three to four miles. Nothing more, nothing shorter. It's just to kind of shake your legs out, get that lactic lactic acid buildup to kind of dissipate a bit and then twice a re- twice a week I would run aerobic threshold runs so those are your like 5k or 10k pace whatever is most comfortable to you you should be running about like a between 78 to 80 percent of your max heart rate so if you know what your heart rate is it's like maybe I want to say like 15 to 20 bpms below So if my max heart rate is 185 for my aerobic threshold run, my heart rate should be around 170 BPM. And so that could be the difference between it's, it's really effort because every day is, is different, right? One day your heart rate will fly up the next, it might not, but it could be the difference between running like a 845 mile to running a nine minute mile instead. If your 845 is your, your like good speed, maybe run it at nine, 915. So I did those runs twice a week. And those were always about the same, between three to five miles max. One of the runs I would do would be a workout. And so that's super focused on speed, high intensity, and you give yourself short bursts of recovery. So that could be something as simple as running 100 meters, jogging 100 meters, running 100 meters, jogging 100 meters. It could be something like a ladder workout where you run a mile, walk a lap, run three quarters of a mile, walk a lap, and go down the ladder and then back up. But it's a structured plan, so your your recovery periods kind of match your uh, work periods. And you should be all out on those work periods. This is, to me, one of the most important workouts that you do, even as an endurance or distance runner, because it helps you build speed. And even though you're not running miles and miles and miles, it might be a short workout, but you're still, your max heart rate's just flying up. So your body is, when you're running a long workout, if it's adjusted to running, you know, with a BPM of 195, then when you're hanging out at 170, you feel great. Hmm. So those workouts were usually between two to three miles, closer to two, um, because they're so high intense. And then once a week, I would, of course, do a long run. Um, Your long run is a comfortable pace, pretty conversational, a little bit more effort than your easy pace. Um, And your long run is mostly to, it's not for speed, it's to build endurance and to build 
ultimately confidence, right? You have to feel like you can run 13 miles if you're going to run 13 miles in a month. And so you, it's not focused on speed. It's focused on like reminding yourself that you can do it. And so, uh, those runs would be six miles and above. So I, I worked on a tapering system. So my first, my first long run was six miles and then the following week I ran seven and then the following week I ran eight all the way up to 15. And then right before my race, I tapered down. So instead of running 16, instead of or instead of running 17 or whatever, I started to go down to give myself a recovery period before my race. Um, and then the last workout that I recommend that runners do is a fartlek style workout. Fartlek style workout doesn't just sound funky, it is pretty funky. Um, basically, it's going on a three to five mile run, sometimes six if you really want to push yourself, that has absolutely no structure it's a bizarre run where you can jog and then sprint for 10 seconds and then jog for 45 and then sprint for 22 and then jog for three and then sprint for 47 and so it's no structure but you just keep running the whole time the only thing is you just can't walk Um, your sprint can be max effort it could be medium effort and you should just be switching up your effort levels and your um, time periods you know, as, as frequently or as infrequently as you want. A a fartlek run is really just pushing your body to get used to different paces, different, uh, distances and different speeds. Um, the other thing that I recommend to people is if you're trying to kind of like tune into your speed power system, obviously strength training is great. If you already do strength training, a supplement that I love, I love doing, I I mean, I love, hate them. Hill repeats, just sprinting up and down hills five times. Like you sprint up and down five times, you give yourself to rest and give yourself a rest and then you repeat that five more times. So it's 25 times up and down the hills. Sounds like it's easy. It's murderous. Uh, It's getting your heart rate flying. And then when you're running hills at a a aerobic threshold pace, it doesn't hurt. It's, you know, you feel like you're flying up the hill. The more you know, we used to run hills all the time in high school. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. Even though we ran hills all the time, I think I I hated them. And I think they were, like, so hard for some reason. And when I look back at it, I think it's because in track, they always split us up into short distance, like, sprinters and long distance. And I... As a runner, I've learned that that does not benefit anyone. You have to be able to do both to be a good runner in either way. That's just what I've learned. I mean, obviously, I would say, like, should sprinters go on a 15-mile run? No, absolutely not. Should distance runners go on a 100-meter dash? Probably not. But, like, none of, to me, those those workouts, like, they can apply to both, like, a sprinter should be able to do a three-mile, four-mile run. A distance runner should be able to do a mile run at a fast pace or some sort of explosive work. So I think, like, being able to apply all of those running skills, like, regardless of what race you're running, it's it's just really helpful. I noticed that it helped me a lot. It cut my mileage. I was running, I was running a mile at, like, a... And I'm not a short distance runner, but I was running at a mile at 
I don't know, an 8.30 pace, and now I'm able to run a mile at, like, a 6.02 pace. So it makes a big difference changing up that training style, especially, especially they're miserable, but the fartlek runs are really, really awesome for helping you uh, better gauge your speed and your recovery. And do you usually do these types of runs outside or have you ever done them on a treadmill? I do them outside mostly. Um, If I ever do any running on a treadmill, I always put the treadmill at one to mock one incline to mock the outside running condition. A treadmill, even when it's at zero, it's technically a little bit downhill compared to like regular road running. So no matter what I'm doing on a treadmill, I always put it on one. Um, if I do treadmill work, a lot of the time it's um, high intensity work or work where I can force myself to push. Um, because the treadmill is great, right? You can't, you're going to fly off of the, off of the belt if you're not keeping up with it. So it kind of forces you, which is really nice. And treadmills are great if you live in an urban area and you're not able to run on grass. They're great to give your knees a break, actually, especially woodway treadmills if you have access to them. Wonderful treadmill, super expensive, but amazing treadmill. Highly recommend it. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you. That was so helpful. And now I'm kind of motivated to start running more this week because I ran the other day and I did, I ran yesterday actually, I did two and a half miles. I did stop to walk a little bit and then I did one mile cool down walk, but I don't know. I I was in that like short distance breakup when we were running track. So I'm so used to sprinting that running distance is kind of challenging for me, but I played field hockey too, so, like, I had to run, like, three miles we would do almost every day, so I want to get back to it and maybe run 15 miles like you one day. (laughs) Just a goal. Well, do whatever makes you happy and whatever is sustainable. So true. Always about finding what works for you. All right, one more question. Let's see. Actually, I might have a few more, but what's the best thing that happened to you this week? Okay, so on Monday, it was rainy and miserable, and the last thing I wanted to do was go work out. I was texting Courtney, and I was like, I don't want to go work out. Actually, I was FaceTiming Courtney, and I was like, but I'm going to force myself to. Yeah, I think so. I was drinking an espresso because I had to get some sort of energy for a workout, and I was miserable. It was the last thing I wanted to do, but nonetheless, I forced myself. So I went to the park, um, and I brought my yoga mat, and I normally put my yoga mat right beneath the bench because I use use the bench. I use the bench for my workouts. Like sometimes I do like step ups on it, and I'll do like hip thrust leaning on it, and like tricep dips and push-ups and stuff and then I I use the yoga mat yoga mat if I want to like sit on the floor or yeah do planks or whatever um so I didn't want to go but I forced myself and while I was working out this little girl was watching me from afar and she just like kept on staring and it was the cutest thing she must have been like two uh, no probably like three or four like she wasn't like quite at that age where she could verbalize but like she was at the age where she was like aware of her surroundings and just like super into everything around her 
And so she was staring and she kept on walking closer and closer to me and her mom kept on having to pull her away because right now the coronavirus is going around. But she was so into what I was doing and finally her mom just kind of let her go. Her mom was like, you know what, like I'll let her, I'll let her live. And so she came over to me and she went maybe like 10 feet away from me and I was on my yoga mat and I was doing jumping jacks. And she just started doing them with me. And she started counting, doing the jumping jacks with me. It was the cutest thing. And so I was like, wow, I was miserable. I didn't want to work out. And now I'm like doing jumping jacks. And I was like counting with this little girl. And then we started doing squats together. She did like half of my workout with me. This three or four year old, like squatting, counting. It was the most motivating thing, honestly. And it was just so wholesome and sweet. And, And her mom was like, you know, thank you so much. Like my daughter has not been active and she's been so quiet with all this quarantine stuff going on, but she's always loved athletics and like sports. And I think you just really motivated her to to be active. And and this is the most active I've seen her in a while. And so it was just such a touching, great, great day. Great way to end the day. I wonder if she went home and like the next day like was trying to do your workout or I wonder I wouldn't be surprised it was so cute and if this three or four year old can do a workout that's telling me that like I can put myself into the right mindset to start doing these at-home workouts again I know that's how I felt too I was like wow I can't believe I like was so negative but like here I am like this little girl is like motivating me you know I love it okay I have another question from somebody you Wait, know. you have to answer it too. What oh. was your best part of the week? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm so excited about these questions. Okay, so it's funny you talked about that you're not a huge tea drinker because I, I had this phase during my junior year of college where my roommate and I would brew a cup of tea every single night and we would journal. And since junior year, I really haven't drinking tea. So I have all this tea that I bought junior year that just is going to waste these days. So it was so hot out today, and I remember one thing that my roommate and I would do on nice days was make iced tea. So this one tea I have, it's like blue raspberry, oh, it's blue raspberry something. I don't remember the third word. (laughs) That's irrelevant, but anyways, so I steeped this tea, and it smells like, you know those like ices that you had when you were a kid from like the ice cream truck? With like the blue raspberry drizzle on them, yeah. or like the blue raspberry, anything yeah, blue raspberry oh slushies. So That's exactly what this tea tastes like, and I made two. So I made one unsweetened, and I put it in the fridge to get cold, and the other I put rock sugar in, and it actually tastes like I was eating one of those ices, and so good. Definitely brightened up my day a little bit, and I'm gonna bring that to you next time I visit New York City so you can try it. Yeah. So it was pretty good. But yeah, okay. There we go. I answered the question, and now from a question from somebody you know very closely. Let's see if you can guess who it's from. Oh, okay. Ask your guess how she's a good partner. How am I a good partner, or if I am? If you, oh, what was the question? Wait. I rewrote it in my notes as ask your guess how she's a good partner. Do you think he asked if? I don't know. Okay, so obviously this is my hunk of a boyfriend who just shaved his entire beard and now has a mustache. Shout out to Sean. Hi, babe. Hi, Sean. 
Um, I think I'm a good partner. Yeah, he's playing Xbox in the other room right now, like he always does. Um, I think I'm a good partner because I don't, I let him play Xbox. <laughs> I think I'm a good partner because I, I'm really thoughtful, um, and I think about small things throughout the day and throughout the week that will make my partner happy. I think I'm pretty selfless. Uh, I tend to try to put my partner before me. Um in in healthy ways and I I think I'm selfish when I need to be uh to create boundaries in a relationship and that's necessary for any relationship it creates a healthy relationship um I think I'm a good partner because I cook <laughs> I think I'm a good yeah I think I'm a good partner because I clean I think I'm a good partner because I do everything I wipe my partner's ass <laughs> Um, I would love to hear him answer this question on how he thinks you are a good partner. <laughs> I know, really. He should have sent in a compliment instead of a question, but I guess we can't win them all. No, I'm just teasing. Um, Kind of. A little bit. Have I only met him once? Yeah, but I feel like you like know him more. Like, so well. I know, probably because we're twins. Yeah, we're, we are twins. Can we, should we explain how you and I are twins? Is there even an explanation? I don't know. Like, we literally just have everything in common except for the fact that I hate mornings. Yeah, that's the one difference. What do I hate that you like? <laughs> Red onions. <laughs> Red onions. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm starting to feel better as this podcast went on. It probably took my mind off of how shitty I felt. Yay. Too, so that's good. Anyways. I think that's all I have this evening. Do you have anything else you want to ask or talk about before we end things? Nothing on my mind. I just wanted to say thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. And I wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of this. And I definitely want you on more episodes because I think this went extremely well. Love learning new things. Hell yeah. If you think I have great advice about careers, you should hear my advice about relationships, baby. Oh boy. On the next episode of Chats with Court. (laughs) Chats with Court. My boyfriend ate a jalapeno and made out with me. Dot, dot, dot. Oh my gosh. You're too funny. Anywho, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new as I did. Um, Stay tuned for the next one. And I want to remind you guys to make today count and make each and every day count. And do you want to plug your Instagram? Yeah, at Martina Nadu, um, M-A-R-T-I-N-A-D-E-A-U. It's all one. And you can follow the podcast Instagram at Chats with Court. Or my personal Instagram at CourtneyRMB. Hit us up, find us, follow us. Yes! Hit that like button, subscribe. I'll send you some fire recipes. Oh, yeah, totally. You know the whole drill. Look at you. You're so, like, ready for this. Ready for the pod light. I know. All right, like, comment, subscribe. Rate this five stars if you enjoyed us. My boyfriend will kill kill me if I don't plug his... uh, meme account no 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 we are ending follow. the podcast right here thank you all so follow much follow at feet pics please thank you Goodbye. like subscribe thank you all so much and have a lovely day peace bitches Mwah.